and welcome back. This is episode 43 and today is February 28th, 2021. And the topic of this episode is carbs, carbs, and more carbs questions. The carbivores dilemma. This is a real dilemma. So I came up with the term carbivores dilemma. I have received a long list of questions and topics this past week, which I'm very excited about. But there are quite a few of them that all relate to carbs, either directly or indirectly, and are a very nice continuum, if you will, to the last week's episode. As you recall from last episode, I defined carbohydrates very differently. I will not get into that again, but for your reference, this was covered in episode 41. I have grouped these questions together today because they are all connected, and you will see why at the end. Which, car- which diet is better, low-fat or low-carb, sugar or high-fructose corn syrup? Is a no-carb diet safe? What is keto? Should I go gluten-free? How to boost your immune system? Is there a link between sugary drinks and cancer? First, let me say this again. Carbs are not all bad. The right carbs are absolutely essential for humans and all other omnivores. Did I mention that humans are omnivores? I feel like a broken record sometimes. Humans, like all other omnivores, require animal-based protein and plant-based carbs and fat from both animal and plant sources. So if you are a human, you have to be eating animal protein from meat, poultry, fish, and eggs carbs from plants like vegetables and fruits and some seeds, and fats from animal as well as plant sources like natural animal fat in animal flesh and some plants like nuts and seeds, avocados, and all their healthy fats. So, should you or could you cut out all of one category? Well, let's take a deeper dive with these questions. By the end of this episode, you will see how all these questions are very good and very connected. Number one was, which diet is better, low-fat or low-carb? If I had to choose one, I would say choose low-carb. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Initially, around 1940s, some cardiologists and physicians started recommending the low-fat diet to treat heart disease, promote weight loss, and reduce bad cholesterol, which they also linked to heart disease and related mortality. Around the 50s, the no-fat, low-fat diets took over, and one of the major authority figures responsible for this was Ansel Keys, who coined the diet heart hypothesis. This basically stated that diets high in saturated fats, animal meat, and cholesterol were the major cause of coronary heart disease 
and the leading cause of death in the United States. He started recommending that people cut out most fats from the diet and promoted consumption of grains and reducing animal meat. This was the start of a disaster, if you ask my opinion. The politics of food and low fat. Starting in the 1960s, the FDA has been trying to figure out what causes obesity, heart disease, and other chronic diseases in Americans. By relying on the data from Ansel Keys and others like him, and under their pressure, the FDA changed its guidelines and started recommending that Americans should reduce the amount of fats, red meat, and eggs, and subsequently increase the amount of grains and cereals in their diet. Initially, the food industry got worried, but soon they realized how they could profit from a low-fat phenomenon. Fat adds flavor, and when you cut all fat or most of it, food loses lots of flavor. So manufacturers started adding sugar and salt to foods. Also, because these claims gave a bad reputation to all fats, the breakfast eggs and omelets were demonized and became the enemy. An entirely new market was created in the 70s and 80s, and all the advertisement led to higher consumer demands that naturally came with sugar addiction phenomena. The grocery stores were filled with sugary snacks, cereals, low-fat or no-fat or non-fat foods, which had added sugar and salt and just as many calories, if not more. And the obesity epidemic began to explode. If you look at some old TV footage of streets of America, you will notice one thing. People are so much slimmer. And you really do not see many obese people walking around. Today, more than 60% of Americans are overweight and are obese. The main responsible names for this? Ansel Keys, the physician who started it all, and Harvey Kellogg and Charles William Post. Yes, Kellogg and Post breakfast cereals. This also meant that sugary foods had to be created fast and cheap in such a way that Americans could not get enough and would come back for more. How can you make food more sweet and addictive? Well, high fructose corn syrup was created. How is this made? High fructose corn syrup is made from processed corn starch. Starches are made of long chains of linked sugars and high fructose corn syrup is produced by breaking down the starch into a syrup made of the sugar glucose. Manufacturers then add enzymes to the substance to convert some of the glucose into fructose, which tastes a lot sweeter. <clears throat> and a perfectly legal, addictive, but very cheap drug is added into our food system. So this answers the next question. High fructose corn syrup or sugar? I think by now you know the answer. High fructose corn syrup is one of the most harmful, toxic, addictive, and disease-causing substances ever created. And it is responsible for a lot of diseases and deaths, if you ask me.
I hope that the manufacturers who still continue to make this poison go out of business really fast. What can you do? Stop buying any foods that have high fructose corn syrup in them. And there are a lot. Sugar is not good for you either, but if you had to choose between sugar and high fructose corn syrup, definitely choose sugar. Imagine if you were forced to be drugged and the drugs of choice were weed versus heroin. Which would you have to choose? Sugar is like weed and high fructose corn syrup is like heroin. Neither is good for you, but one is far worse than the other. Fast forward a few years. Americans continue to gain weight and the rates of heart disease and related deaths continue to rise. So, Experts starting scratching their heads, puzzled by the fact that cutting out fat made Americans more fat and actually increased disease susceptibility and related deaths. Hmm. What now? Okay, so if fats were not making us fat, and since we added carbs and that didn't work, maybe carbs are the evil culprit. So, a new movement started and all carbs became the enemy. The birth of diets such as Atkins and later on and currently the miracle of keto diet. Ah, don't get me started on that again. This brings me to the next question. Is a no-carb diet safe? I'm not even sure if it is possible to have completely no-carb diet. You may be able to survive for a short period of time uh, on no carbs, but uh, it is not sustainable, nor is it healthy. The right carbs are required for many biological functions in an omnivore's body. It will be a few sessions of a biology course to get into the details of this, but my answer simply is no. A no-carb diet is not safe nor healthy, or sustainable, unless you are a cat, a lion, a tiger, or another carnivore. Even carnivores consume very small amounts of vegetation on occasion for gut health, and they know um, what to eat on those occasions. Next question, what is keto? Oh, what is keto? Another dietary plague, if you ask me, but let me explain why. The real, true keto diet refers to a diet that essentially forces the body into a state of ketosis. This is when your liver is forced to produce ketone bodies to supplement the fuel you are not getting from carbohydrates or proteins. There is a difference between ketoacidosis and ketosis, but it is nearly impossible for 99% of average people to know how to measure or have the means to measure exact ketone levels and know when they reach dangerous levels of ketoacidosis, which is commonly uh, occurs in type 1 diabetes. There is a lot of confusion about the keto diet. Most people think that eating more protein, less carbs and sugar, and higher amounts of fat is technically keto. This is incorrect. A true keto diet means 80% of your calories come from fats, about 10 to 12% of uh, calories come from protein, and very little, 
about 5% or less come from carbs. So if you consume 1500 calories, how does this add up in a real keto diet? Let's do the math. 5% of 1,500 is 75 calories. So that is 75 calories for all the carbs in one day. 80% of 1,500 is 1,200 calories from fat in one day. 10% of 1,500 is 150 calories from protein in one day. This translates into 37.5 grams of protein. Let me put this into perspective. Four ounces of wild salmon has 29 grams of protein. So you get 8.5 more grams of protein for the entire day if you had four ounces of salmon. One cup of broccoli has about 30 calories, six grams of carbs, three grams of protein, and no fat. Note, there is more protein in here. So you must deduct that from your total protein allowance. So now you are left with five and a half grams of protein for the rest of the day, and you still get 45 more grams of carbs. To get your fats, you think, well, that's easy. I will eat fatty fish, meat, eggs, nuts, and etc. Hold off. All of those add more protein and carbs or carbs as well. For example, Two tablespoons of almond butter will give you 19 grams of fat, which is about 171 calories from fat only. But it also gives you 7 grams of protein, which is 28 calories from protein, and 6 grams of carbs, which is 24 calories from carbs. And you have not even got anywhere near the 1,200 calories from fat, but you're already over your protein and carb limit. So what do you have to do? Um, you will have to find foods that have pure fats with no protein or carbs. Okay, let's see. Oil, butter, pure animal fat. Um, that's about sums it up. So you will need about 1,000 calories in the form of pure fat. Each gram of fat is 9 calories, so you need 111 grams of fat. How do you get that? Hmm. One tablespoon of olive oil is 14 grams of fat and about 120 calories, all from fat. One tablespoon of ghee or butter, if you will, if you want to choose that, is about 135 calories and about 15 grams of fat. All right, so now you're down to 745 more calories you have to get from fat. Okay, if you bump up those to two tablespoons each, you will still have about 500 calories left to get from pure fats in one day. What else can you think of adding to this day's menu? Can you imagine eating like this every day? Can you really believe that this is sustainable or healthy? About 95% of people who think they are on a keto diet are actually on a high-fat, high-protein, low-to-moderate-carbs which in most cases for about three to six months makes them lose weight. Then the weight loss stops and other complications start. Eventually, many start gaining back all the weight and are left with toxic consequences of the pseudo-keto diet. So next time you think 
you want to try the keto diet, I suggest you think again. The next question also raises my blood temperature a little bit, but here it is. Gluten-free diets. Should I cut out gluten? I think I talked about this a little bit last week. It is not the gluten in grains that is killing us slowly but surely. It is all grains and grain-containing products and foods. Gluten-free grains are worse than gluten. Gluten is only one of the many offensive proteins in grains. This brings us nicely to the next question. How to boost your immune system? First, you should focus on not breaking your immune system or compromise it. What are some things that break your immune system? Inflammatory substances in foods. So let's name a few. Processed sugars, white, brown, organic, raw, or anything in the form of processed sugar. Grains, all grains, gluten and especially non-gluten grains. We do not have the digestive enzymes in the system to break them down, so they cause inflammation. They cause leaky gut. The majority of your immune system is in your gut. So when you poke holes in that, what do you think happens? Grain-fed animals. This is just an indirect way of getting grains in your body. Those poor animals were never supposed to eat grains just like you and I were never supposed to eat grains. It is just so much cheaper to feed them grains than let them graze like they're supposed to. Plus, they also get fat faster so that the food industry can get it to the market faster and feed us harmful meat, give us all kinds of chronic diseases, send us to the sick care system, and collect the profits in their pockets and start over again tomorrow at your expense and mine. Dairy. All dairy. Lactose-free does not make it better. But let's face it, lactose is a disaccharide or sugar. It is simply, it's really simple. Cow's milk for calves human milk for babies until weaning age. That is, when you are old enough to be weaned, about two years for humans, you need to stop thinking about and drinking milk. The rest are all processed, refined, and unnatural products that the food industry created cheaply for their own profit and at our expense again. No, you do not need milk for calcium. In fact, it leaches calcium out of your bones, so stop believing that. Now, once you learn how not to break your immune system, you can focus on how to make it stronger or boost it. That is where the immune booster foods come into the picture. So what are some immune booster foods? Most vegetables. Think of super vegetables like beets, broccoli, kale. Many fruits. Think about super fruits like berries or citrus. Note, there are very rare circumstances where some people are sensitive to some vegetables and fruits. Omega-3 or healthy omega-3 rich fats. Think about walnuts, almonds, flax seeds or wild salmon, sardines, grass-fed organic meats. 
there goes your miracle keto diet out of the window. Now, this brings us to the last question on this list. Is there a link between sugary drinks and cancer? You bet. There are many studies that have shown a strong positive association and a link between consumption of sugary drinks and sugary foods and cancer. It makes perfect sense to me. When we want to grow cancer cells in the lab, we, if we starve them from sugars, they cannot survive as well. When we feed them simple glucose, they can survive even in the absence of oxygen, which is essential for normal cells. Sugar is a major fuel for cancer cells to grow, although it is not the only source. So, let's wrap this up. Not all carbs are created equal. We omnivores need good carbs, no to low sugar carbs, for proper function and a healthy body. Sugars are not really carbs, if you ask me. They are fake manufactured pseudocarbs. But they are harmful, addictive, they compromise the immune system, and yes, they cause chronic disease, including but not limited to cancer. No drastic diet that cuts out major nutrients is healthy. Not the low-fat, the low-carb the vegan, vegetarian, or meatless, keto, or any other diets are healthy. It is not gluten that is your big enemy. It is all grains. Stop eating processed sugar, processed meats, and processed grain and grain-containing foods. This will prevent you from destroying your immune system and compromising your health. Boost your immune system by reducing inflammation and promoting a stress-free environment for your immune cells to function properly. This, I admit, is just a small scratch on the surface. If you want to learn more about how to optimize your health, you know where to find me. <clears throat> I'm always thankful for the people who provide me with the inspiration for my podcast. So, reach out if I can help or if I can answer a question, I am up for the challenge and I certainly need inspiration all the time. Thank you for listening today and every week. And thanks to those who provided me with the inspiration for this episode. Also, mark your calendars on March 5th, that is this Friday, March 5th, I'm offering another free workshop, Optimizing Your Health with Food. And time permitting, I will answer some more questions. So if you are interested, contact me by email at contact at drlolly.com or message me on Facebook at Dr. Lolly PhD, or you can go to my website and email me from there. Until then, to your health and happiness.